in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. In those first five verses of the Bible, the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, God gives us some insight into life and death. And you heard me right. In those verses that I just quoted to you, God gives us insight into matters of life and death. And today we're going to talk about some matters of life and death. And to do that, we're going to use the topic of boundaries. Now, I want you to consider this. When God started this whole thing, there was nothing. Scripture says that the earth was without form and void, meaning that it couldn't be described, it couldn't be defined, it didn't exist in any form that you or I could begin to comprehend. And God said, let there be light. Through the power of His Word, He spoke light into existence. And when He spoke that light into existence, He separated light from darkness. And in that separation process, He created a boundary between light and darkness. And it is that boundary that has defined for us the element of time. After he was done separating light from darkness, day and night, he said it was the first day. The day had begun and God had created and put into effect time. Now, with that gift of time, you and I now have some sort of mechanism by which we can measure our own days. The Scripture says that God is the Alpha and the Omega which means He's the beginning and the end. Before there was anything, there was God. After there will be nothing, there will be God. God exists in eternity. But you and I can't comprehend that thought. We really can't get our mind around that thought. It's too complex for our finite brains. The best tool that we have to do that, to, to absorb that piece of truth, is by using the element of time. And that makes it somewhat connectable in our finite mind. And so God gave us the gift of time. The first boundary that God established was the boundary between light and darkness, and He called it time. God always transforms chaos. The earth was without form and void. He always transforms that without form and void, which we'll call chaos. God always transforms chaos into order. And in this, this first act, He created light and time, transforming chaos into order, giving us boundaries that establish light and time. 
Now, on day two, God continues. We read in Genesis 1, chapter 6, or Genesis chapter 1, verse 6, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And the next thing God did after He said, Light be, the next thing God did was He separated the waters above from the waters below. And in so doing, He created another boundary, the boundary that you and I know as the firmament or the expanse or perhaps more familiar to us, the heavens, the sky. God put the boundary there to separate waters above from waters below. And once again, God used boundaries, God used a boundary to transform chaos into order. And He created the boundary of space. Now hang with me. On day three, God continues, and God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters He called the seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. God's established a boundary between light and darkness. He created light and time. God established a boundary between the waters above and waters below, created space. God established a boundary on the earth between water and land. He created the land or the property as we know it. Now, I want to read to you a verse from Proverbs chapter 8 because I love this verse, the power of this verse. This is in Proverbs, wisdom is speaking at this point. It's the third person. Wisdom is speaking. He said, wisdom in the first person said, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep His command and when He marked out the foundations of the earth. Wisdom said, I was there when God said, See, stop right there. God said, I, Wisdom said, I was there when God said, That's where the sea ends and that's where the land begins. And to this day, the sea is held back by the voice and the command of God. See, you will go no further than right here. God once again used a boundary to define for us land or property as we might know it and use it in our everyday vernacular. God took chaos and He transformed it into order and by order He produced land and one other thing, very important, on this third day. God also produce life. 
He produced life that came forth from the earth. He produced life in the form of plant life. God planted the seeds. The plant life came forth from the earth. And where God has taken chaos and put it into order, the product, the end product of that is life. God, this is an important point for us to grab a hold of, God uses boundaries to transform chaos into order. And that order always produces life. In God's creation, in God's kingdom, life always results from godly order. And if we were to continue this story in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we'd find that this pattern is repeated over and over. God takes chaos. He, by the power of His hand, by the power of His voice, by the power of His will, by the power of God, Chaos is transformed into order, and out of order comes life. So, what happens next? I mean, it's important that we understand this point, but what happens, where does that, where does that begin to apply to us? God takes this order that has resulted from the chaos. He creates life out of it, and one of those lives, or a pair of those lives that He created, were Adam and Eve. God gave Adam and Eve life in the Garden of Eden. And in His effort to have relationship with them, and remember, this is an important point, in His effort to have relationship with them, He created a boundary. Now, most of you remember the story. God created Adam and Eve, put him in the garden. And he said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, you can eat from any tree that there is in the whole garden. And then He said in verse 17, He said, but there's one tree that you must not eat from. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because if you do, you will certainly die. Now, we all know this story. This story which is not just a Grimm's fairy tale that you read to your kid at bedtime before he goes to sleep. This is the, this is the way the earth began. This is reality. This is truth. God said, I'm going to give you the entire garden you got one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil that you can't have. God created a boundary of exemption around that tree. And God said, you can't have that tree. You can't eat the fruit of that tree. That tree is not for you. Why did God do that? Why, would God, why wouldn't God just give every tree in the garden to Adam and Eve? Because God wanted relationship with Adam and Eve. God wants relationship with mankind. And let me ask you this. Be honest with yourself. If, if you dictate what another person does, you have no way to measure whether that person loves you back. Do you? If you force that person, if you had a way to coerce, to manipulate another person into loving you, you would always inside know that that, that love was a little suspect because you made it happen. But what if you give another person the choice to love you and they choose to love you? What value that has, right? God's the same way. God created man. He created you, me. He created Adam and Eve. And He said, you can have all of this, but you can't have that one. And by doing that, He established another boundary in life. And He said, if you will not eat that one, you will have life. Now remember, in the Garden of Eden, mankind was never supposed to experience death. It's supposed to be eternal existence with God eternal life in the garden. 
But God said, if you eat that, or actually He said when you eat that, you will surely or certainly die. And you all know what happened. Adam and Eve ate the fruit. And what happened to them? Well, they're not here today. They died. But more importantly than the physical death, they died a spiritual death because they chose to violate God's boundary. And the violation of God's boundary produced death. Separation from God. Death. Remember when I said at the beginning that we're going to talk about death and life or life and death? Well, get ready because here it comes. God's serious about this stuff. In the first three chapters of the Bible, God lays this out for us that there are boundaries in all of creation. In God's order, in the order of God's creation, there are boundaries. And if we will honor God's boundaries, the result of that will be order and life. If we violate God's boundaries, we find death, life and death. It continues on even into the fourth chapter where Cain killed Abel. Cain violated God's boundary. He killed Abel. Death was a result. Folks, God is really serious about this. God really means business about the condition of your eternal soul. God really means business about His boundaries. These are not suggestions. These are God's boundaries established by Him for the purpose of establishing order. And out of that order always comes life. Now, let me tell you what I think is going through your head right now. Probably. Some of you are saying, okay, I've never thought about this stuff exactly in this way. And it's interesting viewpoints. But in effect, what you're telling me is that if I want to live, I've got to obey all those religious rules and regulations and that you're going to simply turn me into some sort of holy roller. I've got to conform to the religious way of life and I've got not only that, God's going to suck all the fun out of life and I've got to be some religious, pious being. I'm not sure I'm up for that. Is that some of you? Because I think for some of you, if that's you, what you're going to do here today is you're going to listen politely. You'll pay attention. You'll say, well, that was okay or that was not okay. And you get up and leave this place and you go on about your life doing exactly what you've always done. And you won't conform your life to what God has for you. And you won't change the boundaries in your life. And you won't honor the boundaries of God. And you won't find life. The life that God wants you to have. Because if you choose to walk out of here today and continue to violate God's boundaries, you will continue on a path to death and destruction. Perhaps ultimate death, spiritual death. Perhaps just a, a lack of abundant life. Maybe some of you are more to say, well, you know, I believe what the Bible says, but I don't think I really want to hear it because, you know, it's hard it's just hard to live up to all this stuff. It's, it's beyond what works for me, and I don't want to do that. Maybe some of you are there. Or maybe some of you are saying, you know what? You're just trying to ruin the party. I'm supposed to have a party. This is life. It's supposed to be fun, and you're just trying to take all the fun out of it. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be that person. 
And again, I'll say to you, in response, it's not me. It's God. I didn't set up these boundaries. I don't have any power to impose the boundaries upon you. I don't have any right to dictate the boundaries to you. Just like in the Garden of Eden where God gave Adam and Eve the choice, He said you can have all of these trees, but don't eat this tree. There's a boundary around that tree. Just like God said that. In the same way, God says to you, honor my boundaries or don't. It is your choice. Now, you know, some people will try to manipulate you into honoring those boundaries and obeying them. Some people will try to guilt you into it. I don't think that's very productive. I don't think it really ever facilitates true change. All that I know to do is present truth to you. And as you find truth, I hope that you will choose to make a decision to follow God. So we need to ask ourselves some questions. Do we want to find out more about what God has for us? Do we want to understand who God is and what God's about in our life? Is it possible that we don't fully understand what God's boundaries are all about? Is it possible that there are these huge question marks that are floating over us that we just can't seem to answer and we're seeing things from the wrong point of view? I think that's probably the case. And so today, I want us to talk about these boundaries in a little more detail. I think most of us have an idea that God's boundaries are some imposition that's an evil, wicked, harsh reality. Um, I, I brought a little fence today. And I think most of us have the idea that this, the boundaries of God are meant to fence us in so that we have to live our lives like this. I think that's the boundary. I mean, that's, the, that's the view that most of us have of God's boundaries. And today I hope to challenge that view as we look at some passages of Scripture. Do you know that, the, uh, that there are some very simple things that we can do in our own heart and mind, in our own life, to change this perspective and to put ourselves on a better path to knowing who God is. The first thing that we have to do is to believe truth. Now, I know that sounds really simplistic, and it sounds really easy, believe truth. But as Shelley alluded to earlier, we, you and I are bombarded all the time, all of the time in the society in which we live, by other messages by our peers, at work, at play, by our neighborhood, by the media. We're bombarded constantly with some sort of enticement that the grass is always greener on the other side. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. You guys ever, ever fall prey to that? Does that ever hit home with you? Do you ever stop and think, wow, I just fell for that again? There's always going to be an enticement. There's always going to be something else out there that looks better, that smells better, that sounds better. What is it in your life that's greener than what you have now? Is it more money? Is it a better house? How about that car that you wanted? 
How about those clothes? If you just had those clothes or if you could just wear that Rolex or whatever it is. I remember the time in my life when it was the computer. If I just had that computer, my life would be different. You name it. There's something in your life. In fact, there's probably a lot of things in your life that you're thinking, if I could just get to that, maybe it's the promotion at work or maybe it's just a job. You think, if I could just get that, my life would be better. The grass would be greener over there. Jeremiah 15, 16 says this. This is Jeremiah speaking. When your words came, he's talking to God. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. I said we have to believe truth. Here's what happens. You and I have an intake mechanism. And we are constantly intaking things into our spirit, into our soul. We're constantly intaking messages from society, from our peers, from our family, from television, from the radio, from the CDs we listen to, or the iPod or whatever. (laughs) From whatever source, there's a constant barrage of messages coming at you. What are you doing with those messages? Well, whether you consciously choose to or not, those messages are influencing your thought process. So how do we ward that off, those messages off, to, to clarify... What really is truth? What really? I mean, when when they, when the commercial says you gotta have this iPad, well, don't you all want the iPad? Everybody has to have the iPad. If you don't have the iPad, you're not a cool guy. I don't want to be a cool guy. <laughs> where's where's the truth in that? Is there any truth in the fact that you have to have an iPad? With the exception of a few people in particular uh, kinds of business, no, there's no truth in the fact that you have to have an iPad. But you want it. And the media tells you you want it. And society tells you you want it. And society tells you you deserve it. You should have it. How do we filter that? We filter that by what Jeremiah said. Your words came to me and I ate them. Now, I want to challenge you here, right here. How many of you Read the Bible casually from time to time. Yeah, okay, well, some people admit, some people won't admit. Uh, if I don't raise my hand, then I'm not admitting or not admitting. I'm remaining neutral, and somebody might be looking. My guess is that if you read the Bible at all, it's probably on a casual basis. And you're not really eating His Word. You're probably just observing His Word. Jeremiah said... God, your words came to me and I ate them. I ingested them. I took them inside and let them become a part of my being. They changed who I am. When your words come to me and I eat them, they change the person that I am. They become a part of my DNA. Does the Word of God alter your DNA? Does the Word of God change you? You don't have to answer that to me. You have to answer that to yourself. Whether you want to or not, that question will haunt you. If the Word of God's not changing you, it's because you're not eating it. You're just observing it. 
Jeremiah said, your words came to me and I ate them and they became the joy and the delight of my soul. The way that we can learn to believe truth is by ingesting truth. By taking truth in and letting it digest itself into our being. And then we begin to learn truth. And that truth then becomes a boundary whereby we can stave off all of the lies of those messages that continue to come at us perpetually. In John chapter 8, we read, You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You want to know the truth? I mean, you want to be free? You want to be changed? You want to get... The, you, you want to live within the boundaries of God? You've got to know truth. And the only way you can know truth is to know God's Word. And the only way you can really know God's Word is to eat God's Word. You've got to take God's Word in. And I know this is fundamental. This is Sunday School 101. This is the kind of stuff you learned as a kid. But I know also that most of us are not practicing that. Most of us have heard this fundamental truth many times if we've been in church at all. And yet, for whatever reason... We're choosing to not take that truth in. And in so doing, we're really violating some of God's boundaries because we're believing lies instead of believing truth. The second thing I want to talk about is that we need to elevate our view. Now, I want to go back to the fence. Many of us have this perception, these are the boundaries of God, and oh, isn't my life exciting? Because... I've got all this boundaries of God around me. Yippee. Recently, well, actually yesterday, somebody was at my house and they were, we were out on the back deck and looked across the yard and said, does your neighbor have a new fence over there? I said, well, yeah, they've got some dogs. They're kind of loud and annoying. And my friend said, oh, I thought they had that there to keep you out. Isn't it true, though, that every fence serves two purposes? To keep something in and to keep something out, right? Unfortunately, when you and I are inside the fence, or maybe down below the fence, and we're looking up, all we can see is the fence. We don't even get an idea of what's on the other side. If we could get to the 30,000-foot view if we could elevate our view and learn to see both sides of the fence, it would change our lives. If we could get to the point where we could see that God puts borders in our lives not only to keep evil out, but to keep good in. We need to elevate our view. Have you, uh, any of you ever been snow skiing? You hear about the skier, this is a true story. He was skiing along, he was an experienced skier, and he was skiing along, and he saw a sign that said, don't ski over here, it's an avalanche area. And he thought, well, I'm good enough, and I'm fast enough. Once I get on the thing, I'm just going to go down there. And he skied over into an area he shouldn't have gone to. And sure enough, he triggered an avalanche. And today I'm here to report that he's buried somewhere underneath the snow and ice on a mountain because he chose to ignore and violate the boundaries that were put in place to protect him. The boundaries that God put in place for us are not there to hold us down or to be the man in our life. 
They're there to protect us and to ultimately put order into our life so that life could be produced. Isaiah 50... Well, let me, let, before I go there, I'm going to show you a picture in just a second. Don't put it up just yet. I'm going to show you the next picture. And I want to know your reaction. When you look at this picture, you have to analyze your own heart to see what you think. Okay, put the picture up. This is actually a chain link fence in Milwaukee. I grabbed it off the internet somewhere. When you see that, what's the first thing you think? Don't climb on the fence. Well, the reason you think that is because it's plastered right there in front of your face. Don't climb on the fence because the, what you and I think when we see that most of the time is stay out. And for a lot of you, that's all the enticement you need to go in. I think the way that we view that kind of fence sometimes can reveal something about the condition of our own heart. Do I want to comply with that or do I want to rebel against that? Remember, God's all about reducing or transforming chaos into order, order that produces life. Isaiah 55, 9 says this, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's thoughts, God's ways are higher than our thoughts. We have got to get to the point where we will elevate our view and we can look down and see both sides of the fence. Don't be nervous. I'm a trained professional. (laughs) But do not try this at home. You and I have got to look down at at the boundaries that God put in our life. We've got to find a way to look down at them and say that there is a reason I may not understand right now. I may want to rebel against those boundaries, but there's a reason those boundaries exist. Look, Ma, no hands. (laughs) The third thing we have to do in order to, to begin to understand and to grasp and to transform our lives in God's pattern is to choose to obey. Now, let's, be, let's just be honest for a few minutes. You know what we really have to do? I, I, I kind of gussied it up there by saying choose to obey. But there's another way I could say that same thing. It's time for us to grow up. You know, most of us already know the right thing to do. Just for whatever reason, we choose not to do it. We think that our ways are higher than God's ways. And I'm telling you, that is the truth. That is truth that you and I have adopted. We say, God, I I have heard your boundaries before, but I don't don't think your boundaries really make sense. You know, that's archaic. That's old-timey stuff. It's a new world out here, God. My ways are better than your ways. If you didn't believe that, why would you ever act outside of God's ways? We don't believe that God's ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We believe our thoughts reign supreme in our lives. It's time you and I grew up. It's time we made a conscious decision to choose to obey God. Why? Because God has a better life in plan for us. As a matter of fact, God has life in store for us. Life that we're not living. If I could get every one of you alone for just a few minutes and really get you honest, I would ask you, 
Do you feel like you're living to your full potential? And almost all of you in this room would say no. I believe there's more. I believe there's more to life. I believe there's more to me. I believe there's supposed to be more experience in life. I believe that it's got to be better than it is right now. There's got to be something else out there. I believe that's true of almost every one of you. And if I could get you to be honest with yourself and honest with me long enough, I think you would acknowledge that. And what I would ask you is, why isn't your life better? And what I would submit to you as an answer is that it's not better because you and I have violated the boundaries of God. The boundaries that God put in our place, in our lives, to make us have a better life. Now, you remember in Genesis chapter 2, or we read in 27, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God created a boundary of exemption around one tree. And He put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in one location, in the center of the garden. As a matter of fact, right next to it, He put the tree of life. But in, the, in, this, in this place, right in the center of the garden, He said the tree of knowledge of good and evil is there, but you can't touch it, you can't eat it, you can't have actually said you can't eat the fruit of that because you will certainly die. And you know what you and I do? We spend our whole lives walking around saying, man, the grass is really green in there. Man, I wish I could have that fruit because that fruit would be so good. That fruit, that's what I want. I want knowledge. We're knowledge-hungry people, aren't we? I want the knowledge of good and evil. And if I could just get the knowledge of good and evil, my eyes would be opened. And my life would be changed. My life would be better. And you know what we're doing? All the time we're dancing around God's boundary. And you know, like the little kids, sometimes you've got to reach in and see if anybody's looking. And you're just checking out what's inside there. And all of your focus is, I know, we're all like this. All of our focus is right there. But what's inside that boundary? And all the time, we're forgetting that God said in the verse before in Genesis chapter 2, verse 26, or 16, He said, you may eat of any tree in the garden. You can have any other tree, including the tree of life. Why would we choose to chase that when we've got everything else? Why would we do it? And again, I think that's one of those questions that should haunt you. It should haunt us all. Why would we ever try to violate God's boundaries when His ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and He's given us, if we'll stay within His boundaries, He's given us order and He's given us life and the entire rest of the world. And I believe that that's some of that potential that you and I are not achieving because all we can see is this. And today, my prayer is that you will choose to obey, that you will believe truth, that you'll believe the Word of God, that you'll learn and begin to ingest and take in the Word of God and eat the Word of God. And my prayer is that you'll learn to elevate your view and you'll look above to see God's point of view, not just what you want to see. And then mostly today, my prayer is that you will choose to obey God, stay within His boundaries, honor His boundaries, and allow Him to change your life.
Let's pray. God, You are awesome beyond our comprehension, beyond our, our knowledge. God, I believe there's freedom and life in You that we have not yet begun to experience and know. And God, I pray that today that You would somehow in each person in this room that You would plant a seed of discontent that would grow and fester and, and overtake from within. And God, I pray that today You would give people the will to obey, to choose to obey You, to change their lives, to begin to follow You and honor You. I pray that today, God, today would be the beginning of something new in our lives as You establish order and You cause life to come forth. We honor You today and we look to You for what You're going to do in our lives. In Christ's name, Amen.